You're listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. I want to, to speak a word to you today. It's a message titled, Give Me Everything. And um, I want you to know something, that God wants you to have everything He wants you to have so that you can accomplish the purpose that He put inside of you. He wants to give you everything. And so um, we, we have to be careful, though, because, you know, not only does God want to give us everything, Satan wants to take everything away from us. And what Satan will do, and he's really good at this, y'all, he will, he will put up so many roadblocks and he will throw a mountain in your way and he will cause you to be stressed and anxious and, and full of fear. He puts obstacles ahead of us. And as much as God wants us reaching our potential, guess what? He doesn't want you reaching your potential. He doesn't want that at all. So what he's going to do is he's going to hit you with everything he can to hold you back he will he will attack you he will attack your mental health he will attack your physical wellness man he'll attack your kids bro there's no geneva convention with satan man he he will come after your kids he'll come after every aspect of your life to try to get you to shut down and to stop but while satan has a plan to keep you down it's god's desire to equip you with every single thing that you need so you can overcome the obstacles of satan and I think sometimes we have to be careful that we don't forget that, that some of the tools God gives us are for the purpose of us reaching our potential. But some of those tools are specifically designed to get us over the obstacles the enemy is throwing at us. Specifically designed. So there are going to be times when you go through stuff in your life and it's not because it's helping you get through your potential or to your purpose. It's because Satan has a plan for you and God has given you a counterattack for the plan that Satan's given for you. So whenever Satan rolls a boulder in your way, God just puts a spiritual jackhammer to get you through that thing. And you might sit here and look at the jackhammer and think, well, what does this have to do with my purpose? And not knowing that there's a boulder we're about to see around the corner. So he can't be upset at God and mad at God for what he's doing or what he's not doing. What God wants for you is to equip you for everything that you need to accomplish your potential, your purpose, you moving the kingdom forward. Amen? Amen. Hebrews uh, 13 uh, uh, talks a lot about um, uh, living a godly life, about loving, about about not being immoral, about chasing God and not chasing money. Um, in verse 16, he goes on to talk about, about not neglecting to do good and share what you have because sacrifices are pleasing to God. But then we see here in verse number 20, it says this, Now may the God of peace who brought, you, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, here it is, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. And ever, amen. I want you to notice a couple of things. First, not only the God of peace, not the God of power. Yeah. Now, here's, I don't know about y'all, but I'm one of those kind of people, whenever I come up against something, I try to power through it. Come on, uh, where my man at? Like, we're going to get through this, baby. I'm going to power through this. Um, I worked for my dad for a, for a number of years as a welder, and that's where I learned um, percussive engineering. Anybody know what percussive engineering is? That It's the East Texas equivalent of when it ain't working, you whoop on it. Anybody know about whooping on it? Like, yeah. So, so just last Sunday, I was at New Covenant preaching, and I got a text message from Brandon Browning. He says, hey, man, the, um, <laughs> the air conditioner in the sanctuary is not working. I was like, oh, no. Like, what's the problem? He says, the motor's not coming on on the condenser out there. So this week, we had to get an AC guy out, and we had to fix all that, which is super fun. Um, but he texts me back. He says, I got it. And I said, well, what'd you do? He says, I whooped on it. <laughs> all right. Now, I know I'm talking to some people in here. 
that when you come up to a problem, you get into strong mode and you start whooping on it, expecting it's going to get fixed. Most times what happens, though, is you actually cause more damage trying to power through it. But here's what I want you to understand is that God doesn't just want to give you everything that you need in order to do his will. He wants to give it to you, but do it in a way that leads you in a path of peace, not one that has to have all this power all the time. God can get you where he wants you in a peaceful way. You know, the Bible talks about there being uh, wealth gained without sorrow. You know, the world tells you you have to lie, cheat, and steal in order to make it, in order to, to, to win, in order to get money and to gain wealth. But you look at guys like Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, uh, J.P. Uh, Morgan. Like, they were the most miserable human beings on earth, and they were the richest people on earth. Okay? Money will not buy you happiness. It'll buy me fishing gear. Okay, I got you. But it won't buy you happiness. It'll buy a motorcycle. I get it, dude. It's not going to buy you happiness, though. Okay? I have a motorcycle. It's a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. But my life cannot be lived on the back of a motorcycle. When I get sad, I just have to, okay, I'll forget all y'all and run for my problems and go ride a motorcycle for an hour. It helps. But it doesn't fix the problem because when I park the bike, I still got the problem. So do I power through it? They're just, well, I'm going to barrel myself into this thing and I'm going to take care of it. Or, or do I let the same guy who's got my eternity completely and totally in his hands, do I just chill out and let him do something? I mean, some of us, some of us, the best thing we can take from this message today is you just need to chill out and let God be God. You can't fix it by yourself, man. You can't do it. It's going to take some help. It's going to take, it's, it's not going to take you banging your head against it like you always do. And, and if you constantly bang your head into stuff and, and you're still having problems, then how is that working out for you? Like, let's try something different. Maybe the God of peace wants to get us where we need to be. Um, the title of this message is, is Give Me Everything. And um, I, as I thought about that, I, I thought about something that my mom asked when she was about 16 or 17 years old. Uh, this was in Dayton, Texas. This is on a little house. It's on Oak Street. It's still, it's still there right now. Um, she got on her knees and she asked God to give her everything that he had for her. And, and, and God did in that moment. He, he poured out his spirit on her. Now, I think deep down, we all want everything God has for us. But have you ever asked God to give you everything? God, give me everything you have for me. I mean, my goodness, we want success and we want joy and we want blessing. We want to experience the fullness of what God has for us. I think we have to be careful that we make sure that our version of success is what God's version of success is and that we don't equate joy and happiness because remember, joy is about your relationship with Jesus, whereas happiness is just about your circumstance. You can be happy one moment, mad the next, but if I got Jesus, baby, I got joy. I don't have to worry about the ups and downs of happiness. You want blessing, but do you, are you willing to do what it takes to get blessing? Well, I want my finances blessed. Are you willing to honor God with your finances? And I know everybody, oh, he's talking about tithing in. No, I'm talking about spending the 90 wisely. Like, let's forget talking about giving God his 10. How about you spend the 90 wisely? Why? Because it's all his to begin with. Here's the question. Are you prepared for everything that comes with getting everything? God is for you. God is behind you. God wants you to succeed. He's dedicated to you reaching your highest potential in him. But if you're going to be equipped with everything good that you may do his will, you need to be prepared for the fullness of what that actually means. See, God wants you joyful, but you won't always be happy. Christianity is hard. It's really, really hard. He wants you blessed, but it won't always be easy. 
God wants you walking on water. But you might have to endure a storm in order to get to that point. Now, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer here. This is summer at freedom. It's supposed to be happy. But here's the thing, guys. We need, we need realistic expectations of what God wants to do in us. We have to. Um, let's think about Joseph for just a minute. Talk about some unrealistic expectations. My God comes to the dinner table one night when he's 17 years old, and he tells everybody, hey, all of y'all's wheat stalks are going to bow down to my wheat stalk. Yeah. Okay, fam. The next night, all the sun and moon of the start, like, y'all are going to bow to me. Like, what? I mean, even his dad was like, bruh, something wrong with you? Like, what is your issue? Now, what if God, instead of giving him those two visions, God would have said, okay, bro, Hear me out. Got a plan. You're going to be number two in Egypt. Wow. Yes. Okay, well, here's how I'm going to get you there. First thing, your brothers are going to try to kill you. They're going to lie to your dad and with a, 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 your cloak. You know that fancy cloak that your dad gets? Yeah, yeah, they're going to stoke it in sheep's blood, and they're going to lie to your dad and think you died. Uh, they're going to put you in a pit, uh, and then they're going to sell you to some slavers. Um, and then you're going to go to this dude's house where you're going to be really successful in his house. And then his wife is going to falsely accuse you of something bad. And then they're going to throw you in jail for 13 years where they forget about you. Ready? Nah. Hey, listen to me. That's why some of y'all have no clue what God's plan is for you right now. Is because if you knew, <laughs> you'd burn the map. You'd run as fast as you could the opposite direction. God wants you to have everything he has planned for you, but it must come in his timing and when you're ready. Otherwise, you might destroy the very thing God wants to accomplish in you. Here's what I think is beautiful about Joseph's story is that God gave Joseph the vision at 17, but it wasn't until he was 34 years old until it came to fruition. Now, why? Why that time period? Why did God make me wait till I was 40 to plant a church? I'll tell you why. Because I would have broken it to pieces when I was 37. See, God had to get some stuff out of me, and he had to put some stuff into me. Now, I know some of y'all are looking at me thinking, oh my gosh, you were worse in 37? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was worse. I was worse. But, but not only was I not ready for it. See, Joseph wasn't ready for it either, because I think Joseph probably had some pride to work out in the system. That's why God kept, give, kept giving him situations that would, would humble him. See, he got to Potiphar's house, and what happened? He rose to the top. And it's easy when you're at the top to kind of walk with a sense of error, right? A sense of like, hey, look at me, check out what I'm doing. Kind of like he did at his daddy's house when he's like, your wheat stalks are going to bow to my wheat stalks. And then God gives him something that humbles him and brings him low. Why? Because if God wouldn't have humbled him, we look at that as like, oh, that's meanness. No, that is God's mercy. Because if, as God humbled him, it prepared him for what was coming next. If he had continued in arrogance, pride come before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. So you could so easily destroy what God wants to give you because you're not prepared for it. Now, there's another side of the coin, too, is that the famine didn't happen until Joseph turned 34. Wait, 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 what? It means this, that God hasn't given you what he wants to give you yet, partially because it might be you. You need to get ready. But the other side of the coin is where you're going ain't ready for you yet. The, the, the problem that God has for you to solve isn't a problem yet. 
So what if everything in your life right now that you are seeing as just, man, where is God? Like, what are you doing up there? Like, what the heck, bro? Like, what if all of that is just God preparing you for 34, 17 years later when you're actually standing before everyone and you're actually helping people and you're actually making a difference and God is using your experiences to change everyone? What if that's the case? What if all of your pain and all of the struggles that you've gone through are preparing you for your purpose? We have to be very careful, guys, that we don't get angry at God. Here's the problem is, is we see only in part. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that we see it like through a veil. Like we, we only see in part. One day we're going to get to see the whole picture. But right now only he sees the whole picture. I said it before, hindsight is 20-20, but foresight is blind as a bat, man. And you can't see the big picture. You don't know what's going to happen next. But let me just offer this to you. Do you think that maybe the same God that you've entrusted your eternity to might be able to handle your tomorrow? Here's the thing. God won't put new wine in an old wineskin. It's not meanness. It's love. He loves you too much to give you something that you're not ready for. Lest you destroy it. So today, I want, I want to help you understand this. And, and so I want, to, I want God to give you everything he has for you. Uh, but in order to get that, I feel like you're going to have to do a few things. And so here's what I've written down today. So what I believe the Lord wants to share with you is, number one, you have to deal with your yesterday. Your past is the number one tool the enemy uses to derail you with. To derail, not destroy. Yeah. Satan doesn't want you destroyed. He wants you derailed. He wants you disenfranchised. He wants you disillusioned. He wants you in rebellion. He wants you angry. He wants you, he wants you to be the poster child for what he wants Christianity to look like. Failure. That's what he wants. And so, yes, I know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Absolutely. But what if he's destroying your witness by keeping you in a place where you're so angry at God because what God is or is not doing, what he is or is not allowing, that all of a sudden you become the poster child for Satan. A lot of people act like that. Little hurts and little offenses. All of a sudden, the Bible says in Hebrews 14, 12, that those things cause a root of bitterness and they defile people, man. So it stops being about your hurt and your problem and your pain and all of a sudden now you defile the people around you. This is, this is one of the main reasons why it's important for you to get over stuff in your life. Now listen, that's hard. That's, I'm not saying like it's just, oh, snap and get over it. Oh, thanks Jesus, I'm going to go my way. There's some real hurts <clears throat> there's some real pains. There's some real issues. And I get that. But the longer you keep them in, the more opportunity for bitterness, the more opportunity for defiling, and the more opportunity for Satan to use your past as a club to bludgeon you day in and day out. There are many Bible characters who had bad pasts. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. Paul was a murderer. Look at Hebrews 11, murderers, sexually immoral, liars, manipulators. Here's the thing, they all had bad pasts, but they didn't let the past rule them. And if there's one thing I want you to get out of this today is, I want you to get to a place where your past is no longer calling the shots for your today. And it doesn't call your shots for tomorrow. I really, look, I acknowledge the past and I, I acknowledge the hurt. I recognize it's there. And I'm not saying by any stretch that moving forward and letting that stuff go, I'm not saying that it means that what somebody did to you is okay. It doesn't condone what they did. But what it does is it releases you from that. So where the past is no longer stopping you from enjoying what God has for you now. 
Here's the problem. As long as we hold on to our past, God can't put into our hands what he wants for us today. Look, it's not easy to get over your past, but my goodness, isn't it an incentive? Isn't that an incentive to get over your past? You can't spend your life feeling regret and shame over what God has already forgiven and forgotten. We have to remember sometimes it's not just about what other people did to us, it's what we've done. Man, it's, it's our sin that we've, we've done to other people that keeps us down. And, and like, man, I, 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 could never lead, I could never lead a life group. Why, why can't you lead a meetup? Man, if you only knew what I've done. If you only knew how much hurt I've caused other people, there's no way I'm putting myself in a situation where I could cause hurt again. What makes you think you're going to cause hurt again? Just because that's what happened in the past? Is there this thing called redemption and restoration? Is the blood not able to cover what's going on? Are you the same person that you were 10 years ago? The enemy wants you remembering the hurt, but God wants you to remember the healing. Remembering the hurt makes you ashamed and fearful. But man, remembering the healing makes you a force to be reckoned with. Look at Philippians 3, 13 and 14. I do not consider it that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind... And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, as, it, as I think about it, it's very, very hard to strain forward while looking backwards. You can't do both. And so it's like you have a decision, and, and it's not just a decision for today. It is a daily decision. Am I going to let go of my past and strain forward to the calling of God that he has on me? When you allow what happened yesterday to negatively influence you today, you not only forfeit what God wants to do in you now, you forfeit it for tomorrow too. Here's the thing is that God has a plan for your past. And can I just, can I just throw this out to you? What you've done doesn't surprise God. Don't forget that we're talking about a God who exists outside of time. He's already seen your end. He's already seen the day you die. But, but, but come on, he's already seen how much good you've done for the kingdom. He's already experienced you pouring out of your heart the thing that killed you before is now the source of the ministry that God put inside of you. He's seen that day too. And if he loved you at your worst, why would he not love you now? What would tomorrow look like if today you saw your past as a part of your purpose? What if, what if you stop seeing your past as the thing that's keeping you from everything and you start seeing your past as a tool that God has given you in order to accomplish the purpose that he has for you in the future? Genesis 15 and 20, Joseph says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Many times our purpose is on the other side of pain. And, and do you want to know, do you want to know why at least a portion of why God allows pain? You know, sometimes it's it's correction. I mean, my goodness, when you spank a kid's booty <laughs> and, and they they learn that every time they do this specific thing, they feel pain. They start to learn. Don't do that. I mean, my goodness, that works with animals. It works with kids. It's it, it, it's it's the same thing that the shock collars and stuff like that for dogs. And I mean, where they, I don't know where people stand on that, but but they learn. Don't go past that because it hurts. 
Okay, and you do too. You learn, don't do that. I mean, have you ever had a sin in your life that was habitual and you, you found out that every time you did that sin, this certain thing that was negative always happened in conjunction with that sin? And like you started realizing, like, wait a minute. And so you start testing it. And so you do the sin, you're like, oh, snap, it happened again. And so it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that sin. Okay, sometimes pain is for that. Now, I don't think God is punishing a little five-year-old kid that's being abused. That is absolutely not what's going on. Not at all. But you do have to deal with why God allows that stuff. Like, what's he doing up there, man? So here's what we had to do. We had to say, okay, then what that means is, is that I want God to go in and stop that, stop it, and be done with it. Now, almost all of us would want that to happen. But here's the problem, is that to do that, God has to violate free will. And free will is a big deal. Because God doesn't want people in his kingdom who just have to be here out of force. Just like you want your spouse to love you as a choice, God wants you to love him as a choice. And so if God is going to do something about the evil in somebody else, that means he has to violate their free will to do that. So let's pull back a little further back now, a little bit bigger view here, and say, okay, if there's evil in the world, we want God to fix it. And for God to fix it, we want him to violate somebody's choice in order to fix it. Okay, well, here's the problem. Let's zoom back in down now, micro. That means that to fix evil, God has to violate your choice. Do you want him to start with the evil in you? Because while you may not be doing something at the level of what we talked about there, you are sinning. So do we want God to violate our free choice to stop that evil? And if so, do you want it to start in you? honestly, we probably don't want that. So then what do we do? The real question is not why is there evil. The real question is what is God doing about it? And it's Jesus. Jesus is what he's doing about it. And I'll tell you right now, I've asked God several times over the course of time why I had to go through the orphan spirit. Like, why, why, did, you, why did I have to go through that mess? Like, you could have snapped your fingers and fixed it all. Why? I was at New Covenant on Sunday and it was, I'd preach three services. Y'all, that's a lot, bro. Three services. I was tired. I was looking for a barbecue sandwich and a nap. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was, I was exhausted. Um, but I was standing out in the foyer, and there was a lady standing there, and she and I were just talking, and she was asking about one of the books, um, What Do You Really Want? That book, I preached out of that book on Sunday. And um, we were talking about that, and then she said a little phrase. Well, just, just as we were talking, this little phrase. And I can't even remember what the phrase was, but all of a sudden in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, she's an orphan. And so I asked, I said, let me ask you a question. And I said, why do you want affirmation more than you want instruction? And like, bro, she's like. And so I started explaining why I asked that question. And she started to cry. And I explained her four steps of killing the orphan spirit. And I, I gave her a copy of the book. And I, she went to get her while. I said, no, don't pay for it. Just take it. Just I said, somebody's already paid for it. Just take it. It's true. Somebody did. But she's reading that book now. And there's so many people at New Covenant Church right now that are, that are reading that book and they're getting free from it. And then I have to go back to Genesis 50, 20 to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Here's, here's my question. This is what I'm getting to. Are you willing to allow your pain to be used to set somebody else free? Are you, willing, are you willing to be the sacrifice so that somebody else can live? 
Are you willing to endure whatever God has in your path, knowing that at some point it might mean life for somebody else? You know, the, uh, the Indians never let anything on the buffalo go to waste. And you know that God doesn't let anything go to waste either. The only thing stopping God from using your past is you. And so are you going to allow the past to be your excuse or your opportunity? The opportunity may not look like you thought it would look. And the people that you're interacting with as friends may not be the people that you thought you'd be interacting with. The people that you help may not be the people you thought you'd be helping. But are you willing to allow God to use your past? I want you to know that you're more than what's happened in your past. So for just a second, and look, I don't, this would be an opportunity for a lot of preachers to start yelling and screaming and try to get you all hyped up. But, but let, me not, let me not be speaking from the God of power, but let me be speaking from the God of peace right now in this moment and say that you are more than what's happened in your past. It's not over. You're not finished. It's not over with. You don't know the ending yet. There is still life in you. There is still more. There is still a bigger plan. There is still something inside of you. And I know people in your life, and maybe even you, have done everything they can to snuff out what God put inside of you. But it's not dead. And even if you think it's dead, I just happen to know somebody that's really good at resurrections. The second thing is simply this. Embrace your moment today. Purpose is a word we use a lot. Just past graduation month and, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11 is the official verse of graduation. Let me ask you this interesting question. If you had unlimited finances and you were assured of success, what would you do? Hmm. My knucklehead self said, I'm going to go plant a church. Problem was, I, w- I did not have all the finances uh, limited and I was not assured of success at all. <laughs> so... Praise God, things have worked out at least till now. Um, maybe you'd said an island in the Caribbean. That'd be pretty awesome. Um, the answer, though, can be an insight into your purpose. Interestingly enough, too, that answer could also be an insight to what's holding you back. Um, many have no clue what they want to do. They wouldn't know what to do in that situation. But here's the thing. You don't have to know your God-given purpose today to embrace your moment today. Uh, for one thing... I think God loves next steps more than he loves the big picture. Because the next step says you trust him. So do you trust God in the next step? But here's one way to discover some purpose is, is simply this. Um, what, man, what moves you emotionally when it comes to the kingdom? I mean, like for me, it's restoration. Now, I don't mean restoration like whenever I'm scrolling TikTok and I see them take like an old rusty ratchet and take it all apart and make it shiny like... I'm not like, <laughs> no, I'm not a weirdo, okay? Monique's like, what is wrong? I said, he fixed the rush and it's restoration. No, I'm not saying that. Every time, though, those come across my TikTok, I will watch them because I love those. But, but what I'm talking about is like, for instance, when I was, uh, I was at Triumph Church in Beaumont, gosh, this was like 2000, maybe 2001, and I'm standing there and I see this guy walk in. He's got a daughter with him. I can tell he's divorced. The kid does not want to be there. You know, y'all know what them kids look like, you know, uh, don't want to be there. 
Um, but then I looked over at the end of service, and she had her head buried in his chest, crying. And I could just see, man, you see how it does it to me now? I, it just, I could see restoration happening. Moves me. You know, this church was going to be called Restoration Church. I don't know if y'all knew that, but it was. But, but God said, to get them restored, you need to get them free first. It's Freedom Church. But it moves me. What are you passionate about? And I love baseball. Great. A lot of things you can do for the Lord with baseball. How many young men do you know of that have bad father homes and just need a father figure to speak life into them? And I love motorcycles. Man, there's a ton you can do with motorcycles. One of my good friends, one of my fraternity brothers, he is the pastor of a motorcycle church that rides circuits in Ohio. Every Sunday, they're in a different town preaching the Word of God to bikers. That's awesome, isn't it? God can use your passions. Maybe, maybe less thought about what has been your life's greatest storm. See, your purpose might be tied to your pain, okay? And this is why it's so important for you to deal with your yesterday and why Satan is so driven to keep you living in the hurts of your past. When you can let go of what hurt you so much yesterday, it opens your hand to receive what God wants to give you today. God wants you to use your past to move the kingdom forward today. So perhaps everybody hasn't experienced what you have, but perhaps there's somebody out there that has. And, and, and if you're willing to tell your story, then what happens is it allows God to use it to help the kingdom get moved. So how can you embrace your moment today? Well, number one is tell your story. Revelation chapter 12 says, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, right? Don't forget there's one last part that we always leave out. It says, and they loved their life even unto death. To, to give their life. Now, we know in the context of Revelation, we're talking about like literally giving their lives. And, and God not, may not be asking you to do that right now in this moment. But let me ask you this. What if you were scared to tell your story to a coworker because you were afraid that as soon as they found out this specific thing about you, that they were going to look at you differently? Is that not a version of laying down your life even unto death? Sacrificing your reputation in order to help them get over something that they're, they're dealing with? Yeah, come on. Tell your story. Your story has the power to conquer the works of the enemy, not only in your life, but in the lives of everyone you tell. The only way your story can't do that is if you don't tell it. But to tell it, I got to tell you, you got to get over it. You got to get through it. Here's a great way to know if you're over it. You can talk about it and you don't feel the pain anymore. Now, that's not always how it is, but a lot of times that's how it is. Sometimes you can still feel the pain, but you embrace the, the benefit from it more than you embrace the pain from it. Can I say it like that? Uh, the second one is ask, <laughs> what would Jesus do? Come where are my bracelets at? What would Jesus do? Um, here's what Jesus did. Jesus came and he looked for people. The Bible says he came to seek and save the lost. So he looked for people who were looking for him. So let me say it to you like this. Start looking for people who looked like you did when you were in the storm. Y'all know what it looks like, don't you? Uh, maybe, maybe you've experienced a bout of depression or anxiety and God has helped you get through that. You know what people look like when they're depressed and anxious. So maybe you have some coping mechanisms that you can help them with. I'm going to tell you, you're not at a church right now that just says you need to pray more about it, okay? I do think you need to pray more about it. I definitely do. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you need to go to a therapist, I go to a therapist sometimes. Go to a therapist. Talk to somebody that's got an objective third view that, that's not you and it's not connected to your situation. Maybe you, need, maybe you have some chemical imbalances in your body and you need some medication to get you over the hump. Yeah. Okay, and if you've got a problem with that, like I hear you, but listen, don't take a Benadryl when you get a stuffy nose then. Yeah. 
It's the same thing. Don't take an anison whenever you have a head of anison. <laughs> I told a story earlier. I'm going to tell it again just because I'm going to let y'all bust on me for a second. I didn't know what BC powder, like how to take it. Y'all know BC powder? Anybody? Raise your hand, BC powder. Bro, I was at New Covenant Church. I was working there. I was my first year there. I was like, Marie, she's a secretary. I was like, I got a bad headache. She's like, it's some BC powder in the thing. So I pulled it out, and I'm like, so I just, <laughs> like, sniffed it. Y'all, hey, don't do that, because it hurts, man. Pastor walks in. I got this white powder on my I was like, it's, powder, it's BC powder. It's not crack cocaine. It's not. Marie looked at me like, you're the dumbest human being. She said, you put it on your tongue and drink water. Or mix it with water and drink it. I'm like, I... Y'all, this is just evidence that I have no clue about the drug game. You hear what I'm saying? Like, even if I tried to buy drugs one day, I'd buy it from a cop the first time. I just know I, I, I don't get away with anything. Don't buy drugs. Don't do drugs. And don't do BC powder. Man, just take an Advil and move on with your life, okay? Here's one. Hey, what about this one? Uh, uh, to embrace your moment today, serve and lead. Serving gives you the opportunity to step into moving the kingdom right now. You know, lead a meetup. Well, if you know what I've done, I can't leave a meetup. Nah, you probably could. You'd probably be best for the meetup based on what you've done. Meetups aren't just Bible studies. It can be anything. I like Frisbee golf. There's a meetup. I like crocheting. There's a meetup. I like reading the Bible. There's a meetup. Yep. It can be anything. Meetups. Our, our semester starts again in August, so um, I'm excited for you guys to jump on those. Um, here's the last thing is just trust God for tomorrow. If I give God my past today, what will tomorrow look like? I don't know. That's the scary part, isn't it? This is something I talked about with, um, I've preached this before here. I did a new covenant last week. Um, um, sacrifice. We, we like it because it's easier. Because sacrifice says, I give A and I'm going to get B. Like I know what I'm giving and I know what I'm getting. That's sacrifice. Right. Obedience is different. Obedience is I'm giving A and I don't have a clue what I'm going to get out of it. That's why we like sacrifice better. That's why we tend to honor sacrifice more than obedience. But God honors obedience more than he honors sacrifice. So what does all have to do with anything? Well, here's the thing. Um, obedience means giving God tomorrow and not knowing what tomorrow holds. But, but there's, here's a little clue to help you. It's in Matthew 6, 34. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. You know why? Because tomorrow got its own stuff to worry about. Okay? It's got its own trouble. You got trouble today? Let's get through today, baby. Come on, let's get through today. And let God handle tomorrow. And don't forget, the same God that's got your eternity, let him have tomorrow too. It's worth it. He knows what he's doing. We have to trust God for every step, and that includes our next step. If God has been faithful yesterday, and he's faithful today, what in the world is going to change tomorrow? It's like that song we sing. You know, he won't. What is that? It's like, if he's going to be, if he's faithful yesterday, like, is he going to change today? He won't. He won't change. Well, what changes then? I think our level of trusting him changes big time, man. And, and we go back into power mode where we're just trying to do it all on our own rather than just saying, you know what, Lord, I'm going to let you do this. I'm going to let you take care of this. And why? Like, how do we get all this full circle back to give me everything? Here's why. If you are so busy trying to worry about and stress about and take control of and manage and manipulate all these things, what room do you have for God to give you anything? You got all of this junk in your backpack trying to keep you on the right path rather than just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. Where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to talk to today? 
That's what we're talking about. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for, for, for uh, from it flow the springs of life. Some translations say, guard your heart. Some translations say that. Now, I'm going to tell you this quote from Chris Hodges that really has been impactful to me. Here's what he said. The issue you faced wasn't the problem. It was that the issue got into your heart. It wasn't the hurtful words. It was that they made it into your heart. There's a story Chris Hodges tells about his father-in-law. He said his father-in-law was um, a brilliant, a brilliant man, um, but he was terrible in school. And when he was in the eighth grade, his math teacher asked him to come do a problem on the board. And so he walks up to do it. And rather than showing his work, he just writes the answer and goes and sits down. Teacher says, you got to show your work. He's like, why? There's the answer. She looked at me. She said, you know what? You're never going to amount to anything with an attitude like that. Those words got into his heart. He dropped out of high school. He ended up marrying Chris Hodges' mother-in-law. And before they got married, though, you know, they had a baby on the way. And he thought, well, I need to get married. I need to, I need to go get a job somewhere. So he went and they said, hey, there's some, some people are hiring over here at Exxon. So he went and applied. About a week later, he gets a call from Exxon and they say, hey, will you come in and talk to us? And like he was expecting them to say no, because he'd already believed in his heart that he was not going to ever amount to anything. And so. So he goes up there and and the guy who's the tester, he says, hey, um, we want you to know um, you scored the second highest of anybody that's ever taken this test. And he said. If you if you really thought about it, man, if you put your mind to it, you could do anything. See, what happened was the eighth grade words that went into his heart got replaced by the Exxon words that got into his heart. And it reversed it. That's the importance of words being spoken over you. But here's the thing. Every person has had a moment where somebody said something to you. Maybe it was an abusive father or a backstabbing friend or a family history of addiction, divorce, heartache, brokenness, abandonment, hateful, debilitating words spoken over you. Everybody has that at some point. The problem is not the words that were said. It's that they got into our heart. So what are we going to do about it? How are we going to fix that? How are we going to change that? Well, the Bible says that God will take our old heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. So here's what I'm asking you to do today. I want you to have everything God wants for you. I want you to have everything in your hands for the purpose that he's called you to. But it's going to require you to let some things go. Because your hands are just too full right now for what God wants to give you. You got to let stuff go that's keeping you held back. Now, that's probably not going to happen in a snap. It might take time. It might mean you have to link up with somebody here at church and actually let them behind the curtain and see what's really going on. You might have to actually talk about some stuff that's a lot easier to keep buried. But the problem is you keep tripping on the handle of the hatchet that's stuck out. You want everything, but are you willing to do what it takes to get everything? That's what I want you to ask the Holy Spirit today. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? The only reason I ask you to bow your heads is so that you can focus on the Lord and not the people that are around you.
Every one of you in here has a past that you're struggling with. And look, I understand when I say just get over it, that's callous. And it's not as easy as just getting over it. But I'm going to tell you right now, you're at a church, at a place where we are committed to circling around you and refusing to let you go through it by yourself any longer. Because let me let you in on something. You can't get over it by yourself. You can't do it alone. And the evidence is that you've not been able to do it alone up until this point. So I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Speak life into you. God, for every person in here that feels like their purpose in them is dead because of what's going on in their past, I speak resurrection life to their purpose right now in the name of Jesus. Praise you, God. We thank you. We thank you, God, that you're not finished with us. That it's not done with that you still have things that you want to give to us. Now, God, I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, will you begin to show us those things? And family, as you, as you begin to see those things, will you just release them to the Lord right now? And, and as simple as that is, is just say, God, this, you, you just saw the thought I thought. This is what I'm struggling with. I give it to you right now. I, I'm trusting in you to help me handle this situation. I can't do it by myself. Now, God might show you the face of somebody he wants you to link up with and help you get through that thing. But I want you to know something. God wants you free from your past and he wants you to enjoy your present and he wants you to be hopeful about your future father i pray for your people god i pray that you would speak life into them right now in the name of jesus we break the power of their past over them right now in the name of jesus their past will no longer have the effect that it's had the past will be a part of their story but it's not who they are in the name of jesus we submit all of our past. And church, I can't do this one for you. You're going to have to do this on your own. But God, I submit my past to you. I give everything that's happened in my life into your hands. I give you myself right now in the name of Jesus. I give you everything I am. I'm holding nothing back. Help me, Father. We thank you, God, and we praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.